Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. Now, Frank, I do feel like anytime I decide to sleep through something Bucks related, good things tend to happen. I was asleep when Giannis signed the extension. I was asleep when Drew Holiday signed the extension. And given the fact it was my brother's wedding on the weekend, and uh, let's just say I had a big weekend, I slept through this game, caught a replay later on, but the Bucks beat the Nets 117 to 114 in what could only be described as the second barn burner between these two teams this season. They have been incredibly entertaining games. And I think we would not be doing this podcast justice if we didn't start with Giannis, though, season-high 49 points. There's a bunch of interesting things from the way he played today, but I'll throw it to you as the man that loves Giannis' stats more than anyone else in the entire world. Where do you want to start with Giannis? Because this was a vintage performance. Yeah, well, he, he, he needed a, a 49-point performance after playing you know, <laughs> less than a minute and scoring a point last game. So his, his scoring average the last two games is technically 25 points a game, which just shows you why, you know, per game averages are, uh, are, are flawed. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and let's just say this, right? Okay, did James Harden play in this game? No, he didn't, okay? Is James Harden going to play in any more games in this regular season? Doesn't appear like he will. Will we really see a full-strength Nets team until presumably the playoffs? Doesn't look like it. And... We've barely gotten a glimpse. I think I think that group has played seven times all year. I think they're five and two. I saw a stat, um, and I think Kyrie and and Durant are like seven and seven together or something like that. I mean, it, it, you give you have to give them that's a lot of credit. I mean, they've they've played with not a non full strength version of their roster for most of the season. But you know, I, I think you have to give the Bucks a lot of credit today because they can only play who's in front of them. <laughs> and we've been saying all season, look no matter what the Bucks do, whether they're the one seed, three seed, two seed, whatever, the ultimate test is going to be in the playoffs and people are going to poke holes in whatever they do, no matter what they do. Um, but I think watching that game today, watching a performance like Giannis's, um, the way he attacked a whole game long, uh, watching KD respond and, you know, especially in that second half, what he was able to do offensively, uh, vintage KD game, a career high seven threes. I, that shocked me that Kevin Durant has never hit more than six threes in a game before today. Um, that was just a great regular season game. And, you know, granted there, you know, the, the last couple minutes maybe didn't have, you know, the highest level shot making <laughs> that, that would have made it an all time classic and Durant misses a three with a chance to tie. But, um, you know, I, I was just, I would just say it's, it's an impressive win. It's a good win for the bucks. Um, I think what we saw, I, I think to me the most interesting thing is the last nine minutes, Brooke Lopez didn't play at all. 
Both teams went essentially small. And that felt like, to me, the biggest takeaway from this game was seeing these two teams give us at least a glimpse of the types of rotations that we're hopefully going to see when, if and when these two teams play in the playoffs. And, um, you know, it was kind of fun seeing a lot of the national media folks that I follow on Twitter kind of saying like, hey, sign me up for this series in the playoffs. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people are really interested in seeing this series perhaps more so than any other series at least in the East, just because of the way these teams match up. So, um, yes, was there James Harden out there? No. Um, but the Nets have a lot of really good players. And, you know, especially when you think about, you know, Joe Harris in particular, how he fits with the rest of those guys. And um, it was interesting seeing Giannis go against the different looks. DeAndre Jordan for much of the first three quarters. We saw Blake Griffin, a, lo- a rejuvenated-looking Blake Griffin out there in the fourth quarter. We saw Jeff Green. Um, I think there are a lot of interesting kind of pieces that that Bud can take away that the Bucks and that Steve Nash can take away from a film perspective. And the cool part is we only have to wait 48 hours for to watch these two teams do it again. Defensively, the way that the Nets played against Giannis is is interesting. You mentioned that there was a number of guys that had the job, but we saw this in the initial matchup earlier on in the season as well, which that game was actually the one where the big takeaway was the amount of screens that they were using Giannis as a screener. And I can't remember the stat, but it was basically something along the lines of he set double his career high in in screens or something like that in that Nets game. And we saw it again tonight. DeAndre Jordan, if he's out on the floor, he's going to let Giannis shoot the threes. And the one thing that I've always said, and I was actually just talking on the phone uh, with our friend Eric Name about this, when Giannis has had a big night in the past, and and the game that immediately comes to my head is the game against the Lakers last year where he hit a bunch of threes. And generally when Giannis has a huge night and a lot of it comes from jump shots, I always have a little bit of a pause thinking, okay, how much do you take away from this? Because I think even though the improvements have been there from the outside, you know, you're not going to rely on winning a playoff series with Giannis shooting the threes. You're just not going to. But the way that the Nets defend him, the shot's always going to be there. But the thing that I like tonight, and you might have the exact numbers, I'm not sure, but the way he went to the mid-range, particularly in that stretch in the third quarter there where he was just on a roll, scoring every single basket for the Bucks there through the first few minutes, uh, he was it was all in the mid-range. He hit a couple of threes, but he was very comfortable, whether it was Blake Griffin, whether it was DeAndre Jordan, getting the ball in there, using his body, and being able to create that separation. Because we've seen it all season long. It does look like he's he's really tried to incorporate it into his game a little bit more. But reality is, it's it's almost impossible to defend that shot. It just comes down to whether Giannis can have the consistency during a series to make that a real game-changer. Yeah, and I thought, you know, people will say a lot of things about the way Giannis shoots threes, the way he shoots mid-range jump shots. And I think the, the common statement has been, well, even if he starts to hit threes at a higher rate, you know, it's not going to change the way teams defend him. And it may not change the way the nets defend him. I, I actually think people sometimes like act like every team defends him like the nets do, (laughs) which we know is not the case, right? Especially teams that opt to put smaller defenders on him. Um, will frequently try to pressure him more on the perimeter, which I think, to be honest, is maybe the most effective strategy. Certainly, if you want to stop him from accumulating his own individual numbers, I think sending bodies and, and pressuring him on the on the perimeter is oftentimes the most effective way to do it. We've seen smaller guys like Marcus Smart have some success, obviously, and it's not because they're just standing at the foul line waiting for him to attack them, right? Um, so, but but yeah, I mean, I think when when he can probe and then 
go back to that little, you know, turnaround in the lane. Um, we saw him hit a, a couple going to that, that left block um, today. Uh, it's, it's obviously you, you can't, you know, you're not going to block that shot. And I thought the, his last basket, which was a beautiful step through on Blake Griffin, you know, the mid range shot to me, it's important because if he probes and he can't get to the basket, he can always sort of rely on that to get a shot that is makeable. Um, as a fallback shot. So he's not settling for a mid-range jump shot right away. And he did a lot of that today. And he had, you know, some success, obviously, especially with those uncontested threes of, of kind of making the, the Nets pay. But to me, the, the really valuable thing is, you know, when he can probe, he can attack and then, okay, it's not there. Or, you know, pressure comes or he sees an extra body at the basket. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back and I'm going to hit that little, little turnaround from, you know, eight to 10 feet in the lane, right? Which I think he's, he's shown increasing comfort with this season. So I think that's kind of the killer shot that, you know, as many, many of us have said is, you know, when you talk about crunch time, what, what does he have to have in his arsenal? Um, it's not the wide open pull up three in, you know, when nobody's around him so much as that ability to kind of probe, put his back to the basket attack. And then if it's not there, step back and, and hit a shot. And the threat of that I think was really important because if he doesn't have that, if he wasn't having success with that, does Blake Griffin bite on that pump fake that allowed him to get to the basket for that layup that ultimately was, you know, I think his, his last basket, which I wouldn't say it sealed the game, but it certainly put the box in. It was like a minute 16 left. Um, that kind of put the Bucks in, in pretty good position there. And then they had to sweat it out a little bit um, in those last few possessions. But, you know, ultimately, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not like they, they had to do some furious comeback. Um, it wasn't really like back and forth so much down the stretch. Like they, they had it at two possessions for a lot of the last few minutes of the game, but obviously they weren't able to kind of really get that like kill shot. You know, Drew Holiday missed a couple free throws. They got a little sloppy with it. Last possession, Kyrie pokes away from Middleton. Um, he has to obviously shoot a, a much longer three than you would have wanted. And, and uh, the, the Nets ultimately get a, another shot at it. But, but yeah, I think with Giannis, his patience today, um, inability to get to those spots, I think was, was really important. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's, he's not going to score 50 a game in a series against the Nets. Right. But I think what you saw today, even if he doesn't have a three point shot working, um, you know, maybe some of those wide open walk into them threes become, you know, dribble handoffs, right. Where perimeter guy comes up and sees DeAndre Jordan <laughs> standing at the foul line and, you know, Chris Middleton or Bryn Forbes runs over, takes a handoff and steps into a wide open shot. Um, but, you know, I think those are just sort of, sort of some different looks that you have to have ready tonight. You know, Giannis really was able to sort of just do it himself. And he did it as a scorer, which I think he said after the game is not really how he normally likes to play. He likes to be more of a creator. But, you know, when they don't send extra bodies, you, you, they're basically daring you to score. And um, I don't know that you want a Nets-Bucks playoff series to come down to 1v1 scoring because, um, you know, Zach Lowe pointed out, right, if it's, if it's just one-on-one -on -one scoring, the Nets have more guys who do that really well than the Bucks do, but certainly with Giannis, he's such a special talent, and uh, man, he's such a freak of nature that that when he does get on a roll, um, you know, good luck. And he, you know, he didn't even really get to the foul line today, right? I think there was a lot of physicality that DeAndre played with, in particular, um, only six free throws. So uh, some of that was selling for jump shots, but some of that was also maybe Giannis not getting a whistle he was used to. So 
probably in an average game, he probably doesn't score 49, probably doesn't hit as many jump shots, probably doesn't take as many jump shots. But um, if he's going to be doing what he's capable of doing, uh, I mean, can, can the Nets hold him under 35 to 40 a game in, in an entire playoff series? I, I don't know. <laughs> They're going to give up a lot of points if they take this strategy. And, you know, I think Steve Nash is comfortable with it from what he said after the game. But um, certainly that would be a, a, a different strategy than, than what others have tried. Um, but it's also not the first time, right? As, as Philly's done it, um, the, the Jazz have done it. You know, teams that have dominant centers have, have typically tried this where they basically say, you know, just be honest, go at our big guy. And, you know, we're not going to give you uh, collapsing defenses to pass around. But um, Giannis is a great player. And what great players do is they can adapt and take it different ways. And tonight, obviously, we saw it in a really fun way with him just saying, all right, I'm just going to take over. Okay, Frank, let's talk about our great sponsors over at Indeed. If you're the hiring expert for your company, what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You simply need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed Skills Test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get uh, get started right now, I should say, with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So you get 93 points from... Giannis, Chris, and Drew, and this is uh, probably similar. I can't remember what the exact number was, but they were excellent against Brooklyn the first time as well. It's funny you bring up the pump fake, and I remember we've discussed this in the past, and certainly you and Eric did when you were uh, doing the show uh, prior to me jumping on board, and the the power of the pump fake, I remember there was a stretch there where he used it on the three-point line a couple of times, and we all marveled at, oh, this is incredible. Now guys are defending him out on the three-point line, but you're 100% correct if people are biting on the pump fakes where you're one step or one Giannis step, one dribble away, then clearly it's a more potent weapon. And we saw uh, that late in this game. A career high 36 field goal attempts, by the way, for Giannis as well, which is uh, obviously noteworthy. That's a hell of a lot of shots. Uh, I, I would never say, yeah, particularly when he's in the, the mood that he was in tonight, I would never say too many shots uh, is possible. And it was great to see Chris get up 21 shots as well with his 26 points and then um, Drew Holiday as well. I mean, those are the three guys you're going to live and die by in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that but defensively I mean Kevin Durant what this guy has been doing this season is just absolutely absurd and to be honest you know if you keep him to 16 for 33 shooting I think you honestly feel okay about it now you know that he's going to get his points and and you can defend him however the hell you want to defend him but you're not really stopping this guy like he's just an absolute machine he's been playing out of this world everyone's going to point to the block late from Giannis, which was obviously a ridiculous play. But the level of shot making from Kevin Durant, that's why, I mean, he's the guy. And of course, you add James Harden into this team as well. But watching him in this game, watching him over the last few weeks, that's the guy that's, he's the most scary guy in the East. Because when he's looking like this and the way that he's been able to play, despite the fact this is only his, I think, 24th game of the season, it's completely ridiculous. 
It's pretty remarkable how, whether it's at the start of the season, coming back from the Achilles injury, whether it was coming back from the first injury, whether it's coming back from the second injury, he pretty much just slots right in and immediately is like all world again. <laughs> it's been like, you know, like LeBron has really had kind of a slow Lakers lose again tonight. LeBron has had a very slow return to form coming back from that high ankle injury. And obviously, you know, guys have had different types of injuries, but um, KD just basically like no matter how much time he takes off, he comes back and just is sensational. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And, you know, you look at his shot chart, he's, I mean, he's getting to the rim less than he ever really has in his prime, which is not surprising, obviously, but um, he's still shooting over 50% from the field, over 40% from three. I think he's right around 90% from the foul line. I mean, <laughs> the efficiency of this dude, even with a really difficult shot profile, is just crazy. And um, I think you look at what the Bucks did, I thought, you know, Middleton did a really good job of kind of just making him take those long mid-range jump shots. Um, you know, Middleton saw more of him in the first half when he, he really was not as, as effective in the first half. Uh, I think he had like, what did he have? Like 18, but it was on like, he was shooting sub 50% in the first half. Middleton was, was right behind him at 16 points and uh, plus 50%. So in the first half, it was like, all right, well, if Middleton's going to like basically outplay him. And I think Durant had all five of his turnovers in that half too. Um, you feel pretty good, right? Um, but I, late we saw a lot more P.J. Tucker. Um, it was really fun seeing the back and forth. P.J. Tucker being mic'd up was really fun, hearing uh, the two of them just, you know, like go back and forth. P.J. talking about being surprised when he went to his right and pulled up going to his right baseline because he hadn't done that the last three games. He'd always been going to his left. But that was a really interesting sort of insight. Just, you know, I mean, those two guys know each other very well. They're both Texas guys. They've obviously battled for years and years and years in the Western Conference. So there's a, you know, obviously a ton of respect between them. Um, but it was, it was fun just seeing all these guys kind of, you know, kind of battle. And um, yeah, I, I got to say, like, for all the talk about rotations and Bud's matchups and things like that, it was pretty fun when you saw those the late, late in the game, fourth quarter, the Nets are trying to run actions with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And the two guys defending them are PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday. And it's kind of like, look, I know KD is obviously a lot taller than, than Drew. Um, and he's going to be able to get a shot off on Drew. But I, if that's the matchup they have to hunt, I, you know, that that's why I think the Bucks would have a puncher's chance in a series against the Nets because, um, you know, we saw them get pretty stagnant offensively. We saw them pretty much just want to go one-on-one. And, um, you know, again, not to say that the Bucks are just going to be able to win a one-on-one matchup night in and night out, but, um, you know, that's, that's why you made that trade for P.J. Tucker so that you can put a lineup out there where, okay, Giannis gets switched on to Durant, and does the impossible blocking KD, even though it went right to Kyrie and he ended up shooting a three. But um, but you can, you know, worst case scenario, maybe the reigning defensive player of the year who's a physical <laughs> freak ends up guarding KD or, or Kyrie. Um, and if not that, you know, worst case, Drew Holiday, who's shorter, but, you know, is, is I think KD is said is like basically the toughest defender in the NBA ends up on, on KD. So, um, so yeah, I think that to me, that was kind of the biggest takeaway was, um, you know, we saw Brooke Lopez, especially in the third quarter, had a really great defensive spell. He really struggled offensively, could not get a bunch of bunnies to go, even though he had some good matchups inside, but 
five blocks defensively. But then Bud basically said, all right, you know, I'm, <laughs> DeAndre Jordan isn't playing. I'm not going to try to put Brooke out there and have him go on an island against KD or Kyrie or whatever. I'm going to play my smaller lineup, and we're going to roll with that. And, you know, again, uh, the result obviously went the Bucks away, and that's obviously, I think, the preview that we would expect to see in the playoff series between these two teams. And also just in general, I think that's the look the Bucks need to work on regardless of who they're going to play in the first round, second round, and, and whatever might come beyond that. BetOnline.ag time now, and we know this is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go. Uh, now that the NFL draft is in the background, we'll start to get pretty excited about that season that's going to come up pretty quickly. And as I mentioned, the baseball, the NHL, UFC, MMA, everything is all there. So you can find it all at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, just head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked on there. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And then, of course, uh, we have to jump across to our friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. Again, I always say this, but you've heard me talk about Built Bar. You know I love it. You know that the coconut brownie chunk is my favorite of the flavors, but you can look at them all. All the flavors are online that you can get. You can get it delivered straight away. I'm telling you, you are not going to regret this. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Uh, great for the health conscious guy or girl as well. And you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. So you don't even have to feel bad about it. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, also of Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. To be fair, I think part of this has been PJ Tucker working back into the lineup. Obviously, there's been some health concerns there, but there was a couple of games where we at least said, I probably would have liked to see it a little bit earlier. Um, so the fact that he went to that tonight with minutes left to play um, was pretty nice to see. And again, it does get you a little bit excited for what you potentially uh, might see moving ahead. And keeping in mind that in this game as well, PJ Tucker had the five fouls, which was a factor as well in terms of um, how early uh, you went back to that small lineup there. But the other guy I at least wanted to give a bit of a shout out to is... Uh, is Pat Connaughton. Now, we've spoke about him all season long. I think he's had a pretty good season, no doubt about that, for the role that he's playing. I think he's been um, you know, better than, than we expected, quite frankly. I think this is the best we've seen him, and most consistent, certainly, shooting the ball this year. But he has actually hit a bunch of pretty big shots this season, and he hit a three with uh, around three minutes to go that gave the Bucs a 113-107 lead after Dante missed one from the corner, and the Bucs were able to get the offensive rebound. But he's hit... He's hit some big threes this year. And you know, I, I think about it, the closing lineups. And again, we know that yeah, probably the four guys that you can lock in there are going to be 
yeah, PJ, Giannis, Chris, and Drew. There's no doubt about that. And that's why we love the addition of PJ Tucker. And then yeah, depending on matchups, if it's a sixes, it's probably Brooke Lopez, obviously, with Joel Embiid. But if you want to go small, we've seen a number of times through the season that Bud has gone to Pat Connaughton as that guy. And I think, you know, certainly offensively, I mean, that's, that's what you're going to need from that guy in the lineup if they load up on Giannis, which you expect is going to be the case in most circumstances. You need him to be able to hit an open three. And I do think... Pat Connaughton's ability to to hit the offensive glass as well, and he always comes up with timely offensive rebounds. Uh, again, tonight, this big shot. You've got know, you to give this guy credit, honestly, for the role that he's played off the bench. I know for a number of reasons, as we've said, he hasn't been the most popular. But again, tonight, not a huge impact. In fact, that was the only shot that he hit, but it was a pretty timely one. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the Bucks role players tonight. I mean, again, Brooke, just two out of seven. Yeah. Dante, <laughs> 0 for 5, 0 points uh, in 30 minutes. Pat, one out of two. He only took two shots, right? Yeah. But two assists, three steals, a block um, in 24 minutes. Tucker takes only one shot, hits that three. Jeff Teague was not very memorable, <laughs> let's say. Uh, he was a plus four in his 11 minutes, so at least they didn't get killed in that span. And then Bryn Forbes is really the one guy, uh, role player, who, who scored in double digits. He had uh, 12, four out of seven, including three or five from three. And obviously, it hit some big shots. Um, kind of in those middle periods, uh, as, especially in early in the first half, you know, when the Bucks were digging out of, you know, they had a 14-point deficit, right? Yeah. Like, so that seems like an, an eternity ago, but the Bucks actually had a, a, a bit of a hole they had to dig themselves out of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was a game, especially obviously Giannis taking a career high in shots and Chris also taking 21 shots, right? And he came out really strong in the first quarter, um, but then kept it going. And I thought, you know, I think Chris had 10 points in the fourth quarter, hit a really timely um, pull-up jumper with a couple minutes left. Uh, and I thought probably the, the big thing, maybe a bit underrated, is the Nets hit two threes right at the start of the fourth quarter to go up s- six points. And Bucks had really been playing from the front, you know, for, for much of the game, not by a lot, but had been playing from the front. And so for the Nets then to kind of quickly turn the tables, I don't think Durant was even on the floor at that point. Um, you know, it was a bit of a sucker punch, right? It's like, oh, geez, we're not, you know, Katie's not even on the floor and now we're losing by six. And Chris comes back, hits what looked like a three, was called a two, uh, and then comes back, I think it was the next possession, and gets a four-point play to even the game at, I think it was 96 at the time. And I thought that was just a really big, you know, kind of moment that, you know, now kind of gets forgot a bit just because uh, we're obviously focused on those those last five, six minutes. But um but you know, just just a you know some some really pivotal kind of moments in the game. I thought I think you know Bucks working back from that deficit late in the first, you know, cutting into it and then really making it up early in the second quarter. Um, Giannis really going. I mean, what did he have the first 16, 18 points or something like that for the Bucks of the third quarter? I mean, he was just absolutely going to work. Um, and and then Middleton having a bit of that run early in the fourth quarter, scoring those six points, and then. Um, hit, hit a really difficult shot. Like when he hit that really, like, the really, like, he clearly looked like he got fouled. He sort of just threw it up and and hit a shot yeah. like a runner. Um, to me, that was like evocative of the the Paul the hit the shot that Chris Paul hit against against him uh, when the Suns won here a couple weeks ago. So I was like, okay, well, I, I think I'm fine with that. That's acceptable, you know, karmically or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, 26 points, 11 out of 21 shooting for Chris. 11 rebounds, six assists, two steals, no turnovers. Um, you know, I mean, uh, again, like a lot of people won't want to talk about it because, you know, whatever, the sliding scale of judging Chris Middleton, right? Like he obviously has games where he doesn't play the way you want him to and 
um, you know, the perception that he doesn't play well enough against good teams. And then he obviously has today a really, really good game against a very good team, including where he had to work really hard against KD. And obviously KD is also a tough matchup for him just because of, of, uh, of his length and what he can do with Chris. And I thought the Bucks did a nice job at times kind of using screens to, to give Chris some better matchups so that he could shoot over those guys more easily. Although he did, he did have one turnaround from the post on KD, which uh, allowed Eric to uh, tweet out his favorite, his favorite reference, which is the, the too small uh, gif, um, which, you know, Chris always does when, when he's in the post against smaller players. But um, I would say KD is the tallest person that, <laughs> that Eric has gotten to run the too small gif uh, against. So, so that was pretty fun, but um, yeah, I mean, this was definitely kind of like what we've seen in a lot of these big games where the Bucks' big three really carry the load, especially in terms of shot volume, and uh, and then they don't get a whole lot of help. Um, and so that was, again, the story today. But you know, thankfully, just enough help, and those three guys were just good enough on their own that, that ultimately they didn't, they didn't really need much else. Yeah, I was just looking at this right now. 73 out of the 98 shots from those guys. Obviously, I already mentioned the point total as well. And I would agree, this has been a theme. It feels like, I don't have the numbers to back this up, but it does feel like it's been a theme that, um, yeah, we've mentioned the bench perhaps hasn't had the contributions they've had right throughout the season against these good teams. But the positive is that the big three have. And I think that's what you want. In a playoff series, you're going to rely heavily on those guys. They all played around 36 minutes tonight as well. So... The exciting thing is we only have to wait one more day and these two teams are going to do it again. Now, I, I hate to bring up standing watch here as you know I've all but conceded that the Bucks were going to finish in the third seed. If they beat the Nets in a couple of days' time, they'll be a game and a half behind as if my calculations are correct. And while I don't think that the Bucks can overtake both teams and get to the first seed, I guess there is a mathematical chance that they could potentially get to the two seed. And this is where you really rue terrible losses like the ones against Houston last week. But you know, having home court in that second round series wouldn't be insignificant. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at it and, and part of me was thinking like, man, are the Bucks actually better off like losing these games to Brooklyn just yeah, so they don't yeah. have to play Brooklyn in the second round? Exactly. Um, but but I, I don't know. I mean, the, the East is so funky right now. I mean, there's the top two seeds, obviously, but then there's also this weird battle for the six, seven, eight seeds where, you know, uh, like right now, based on the standings, you know, literally Miami and, and Atlanta are tied for the five, six spots. So uh, does that mean that, you know, you, you could get, I, I think you'd presumably want Atlanta over Miami. Boston's behind both those teams, <laughs> you know, so it's like, which of those teams would you actually want to play? I mean, especially with the plan, if you're a one or two seed, you, you literally won't even know who you're going to play until the, the plan tournament's done. So I, I think all you can do is just, you know, play what's in front of you, try to get a good rhythm going, try to sort of, sort of build some of that consistent rotation that you're going to have um, come playoff time and just sort of focus on yourself. And, um, you know, look, would I rather play the Nets in the East Finals than the semis? Yes, I, I would. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the other flip side is, I mean, these guys have barely played together. Maybe you want to get them earlier rather than once they've had some time to play together. Um, or, or, or maybe you want to wait longer because you just want to wait and see which one of them is going to get hurt you know, in the first or second round. So, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough. The The being the three seed is just is just rough because you're guaranteeing that you know you're gonna have to go through both the the Sixers and Nets if 
if the the bracket holds and that's just a super tough gauntlet and one of the reasons why i certainly would not say i'm optimistic about you know the bucks ability chances of getting to the finals but um you know i think we saw today they can battle with this team and um we'll see why things change if and when harden and and these three guys all get to play together again that's that's a scary grouping but um you know uh if it means we're going to get uh, a series where Giannis has a chance to do what we've seen what we saw got to see him do today that would be pretty fun and uh i you know i'm 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 looking forward to hopefully hopefully the bucks get out of the first round and and we have a chance to see them <laughs> them eventually play this team um but uh regardless of when it happens i think it's it's a huge huge bar for for the bucks to clear and i think that's the irony of all this is you know if you if you had told me that basically this year the the, the east would be the bucks versus this version of the bucks versus you know essentially last year's version of all the other teams i would be picking them to go to the finals cuz when i look at last year's east i'm not that scared of any of those teams even though the bucks obviously fell way short with the version that they had last season um but you throw brooklyn in there with their star power they have and and philly playing a lot better obviously than they did last year uh that obviously changes things significantly and and again I'm, it's less about philly more about brooklyn to me in terms of you know who scares you but uh but you know that's just that's just kind of one of those things right like that's why you always want to take advantage when when you're really good because you just never know what's going to happen next year you know you might have injuries you might lose guys other teams get better etc cetera, etc cetera. um it's hard to predict these things but um at a minimum i think the bucks have the firepower to compete and i think the positional versatility especially defensively to compete with with uh, with the nets but um you know both teams obviously are are still a little ways out from from confronting that so so we'll just have to wait and see well it was always or it always is a good night when giannis goes off like this season high 49 points uh, you got to go to sleep feeling pretty good about that frank but we'll wrap it up Got a day off, as I mentioned. The podcast will be going, of course, and then we'll be back. Uh, I believe this is another national TV game. My app is telling me it's ESPN, but I think that's because I'm in Australia. So I assume being a Tuesday night, uh, that will be a TNT game. I would have to guess 6:30 p.m. tip there, Central Time. But we will be back tomorrow. We'll probably be talking some more Nets, talking some more Bucks, getting ready for Game Two. But Milwaukee, after a pretty rough April, let's be honest, as far as fourth quarter performances go uh, are able to come back and win this one and hold on in the fourth quarter which again you've got to be feeling pretty good about that so that was an enjoyable one frank it's it's literally 1 30 in the morning go get some damn sleep and we'll catch all you guys tomorrow